Turn in your Bible to the book of Luke, and you can go to Acts 1, if you would like, Luke and Acts. We're in the middle of a series uh, called Heaven's Heroes, Life Lessons from New Testament Heroes of the Faith. You get it? Everybody say, I got it. Uh, now, let me just, let me reaffirm some things for you. In a moment, you're going to get uh, some suggested reading material for this next week. Uh, I'm, I'm considering uh, uh, required reading. I, I, I don't know if I should require anything from you, but I, I want to encourage you to just plug into that, not just in this moment, but this week. Let's, let's take th- these guys and these ladies that we'll be studying about and learning about and letting their life and the lessons they learned, the lessons they taught make a difference in our life. Could you, can we do that this week? And so you get ready. Now, in reference to my shirt, it's a twofold purpose. I've, I've already explained this shirt once. It was given to me as a gift by Pastor Sonny. He had two colors. In fact, if you look close, it says COTR Network of Ministers. He had two colors, like a light blue in this one. He didn't even offer me the blue one. So anyway, so it is fall. Clint said I look like a pumpkin. And that's Okay. But it's really, I'm celebrating the Astros today. Come on, give it up for the Astros. Come on. And I text Tiffany. Tiffany, stand up. She's official. She's got her Astros t-shirt on. All right. Going to the World Series, mind you. And I text her a couple of games ago uh, when they were doing pretty good. Or that, I said, I want you to know that I'm temporarily an Astros fan. Uh, now, next season, when when it comes back around, I'll probably go back to the Rangers, but I'm telling you, I'm really enjoying these, these, these Houston Astros. I'm even learning some of their names. So, hey, so it was really great. It was fun watching last night and seeing them come through with a good win. And so here we are. I'm, I'm celebrating the Astros today as well as fall. And so I, I am not a pumpkin. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. So today we're going to look at Luke. Everybody go, Luke, not that Luke. All right, what do he say? I'm not your father. Yeah, not that Luke, but that just came out, okay? Luke the physician, faithful historian of his story. Say that with me. Luke the physician, faithful historian of his story. And that's what I want you to see today because Luke, everybody say Luke, everybody say Luke. Luke was a faithful historian of his story. Now, there's a lot more about Luke uh, that I'll try to share some with you. And as again, as I've said before, it's hard in a 40 to 45 minute uh, moment with you to melt down a person and who he was and his influence in the earth into 45 minutes, but I'll do my best. Uh, he was a physician, as we'll see. But I want you to look in Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, and you catch this thought about historian of his story. Here he goes in the first four verses. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order, everyone say set in order, to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. I'll, I'll explain that in a moment. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, that, in fact, that word perfect means accurate understanding, accurate understanding of all things from the very first to write to you an orderly account. Everyone say orderly account. Orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Now, I would encourage you to read that over and over again to get this idea. Basically, what he's saying is uh, the things that the first century uh, apostles and disciples began to teach, I'm coming along and I am, I am gathering it all together to give you an accurate, historically correct, chronologically 
correct account of the life of Jesus and all those things that we have heard and which we have received. So you look that over and just kind of get that down in your system. Uh, and, and then I want you to go to the beginning of Acts and I want you to see this again, this, this kind of same thought because he's writing to this guy named Theophilus again. And he says this, the former account I made, O Theophilus. What do you think he's talking about? Come on, the Luke, the, the gospel of what? Gospel of Luke. He's, talk, he's talking to the same guy. He's writing to the same guy. And he says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So, so Luke is an accurate representation and historical account, chronologically correct, I might add, of the life of Jesus. Then he goes on to say, uh, until the day in which he was taken up, and that he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive uh, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so now he, he in part two, if you will, he begins to give a historical account, an accurate record, if you will, of the, not only the life of Jesus, but now the life, the birth and the history of the early church. So that's why we say Luke, the physician, he was really a faithful historian of his story. Are you with me? And so, in fact, one of the, uh, if you, if you compare all the gospels together, his is the most detailed. His is the most, uh, uh, chronologically correct. He, he adds things in his gospel that none of the other gospels have. It doesn't mean the other gospels are not correct. He just really filled in some blanks and did his best. And he, he's the only one that began really from the baptism of John the Baptist or the birth party me of John the Baptist and all the way through. So, uh, very detailed historical account of his story. And if you got that, smile and nod, say, I got it, Pastor. Okay. So hold that in your head, hold that in your heart. Now, today's memory verse, this week's memory verse. Oh, suggested reading. Uh, go back, suggested reading, Luke and Acts. How, how could we not, how could we not do that? You see two whole books. Uh, yeah, two whole books. The, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Okay. That's your suggested reading. Uh, it could be required reading, but I'm, I'm not a control freak, but I would encourage you to do that. Luke and Acts. So with that in mind, here is a memory verse from the book of Acts that Luke wrote. Uh, memory verse for the week, Acts 4.12. I want us to read it together out loud. Here we go. Are you ready? Everybody get a deep breath. Here we go. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. Say it again. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. How many of you know Luke had an understanding of the power of the name of Jesus? Amen. The power of his name. So you memorize that, take it to heart. And when you say the name of Jesus, you can say, whoo, there's no, there, nor is there salvation in any other. How many of you know you can't be saved by any other name other than the name of Jesus? There's no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. His name is Jesus. Everybody say his name is Jesus. Amen. Now, let me give you some, let me just give you some history about Luke. Let me, let me, let me, let me give you some, some tidbits, if you will. Let me introduce you to this man. And then I'm going to talk to you just very simply. I'm going to tell you, this is a simple message today, uh, but I want to introduce you to the, to the, the gospel of Luke and to the book of Acts, but really the author of both of those. Let me give you some, some interesting facts about Luke. He, of course, was the author of both of these books. And he was, it was probably written, and I've done a little study here, probably written about 63 AD after the death of Jesus, okay? Uh, and it was, and the reason, I mean, there's, you can't put, you know, 
actual date and time, but you can certainly get close when you do a study. So 63 years after the death of Jesus, uh, most believe it was somewhere right in there. Uh, and Acts, was, that was Luke. And Acts was written after Luke sometime before 70 AD. So he wrote, he wrote Luke in 63, 64 AD. And then right after that, he wrote part two. And Luke and Acts consist of 52 chapters. Now catch this. I didn't realize this. 52 chapters, making Luke the author of one third of the New Testament and equates him pretty much with Paul the Apostle in amount of actual text written in the New Testament. So you can see, hey, if he wrote one third and Paul wrote one third, how many of you know he's definitely someone we need to look into a little bit? God recognized something about this Luke the physician and, and used him to share and write very detailed, accurately, the gospel of Luke, the most detailed account. And, and as Jim mentioned last night when we were talking, uh, you know, when, when you think about, is it the Christmas story? Man, what a detailed account Luke had. And I'll tell you why I believe he had that in just a little bit. Uh, and so, so he wrote one third of the New Testament. And here's something interesting. Uh, and, and when you, I shared this with you earlier, Luke and Acts, it's really part one and part two. Okay, and some theologians actually believe it was all one, and they broke it into two. But but uh, but it's part one, part two. It's two letters, Luke and Acts. Everybody go Luke and Acts. All right. Now it was written to most excellent Theophilus. Everyone say Theophilus. And let me say, no one knows who Theophilus was. Theophilus means lover of God. Both Luke and Acts were written to this one person named Theophilus. Now, some theologians have thought, well, maybe he wrote that generically to all the lovers of God, people who love God. And hey, I'll take that if that's the case. But most theologians who have studied this really believe that Theophilus was a person. We don't know who that person was. But his, the fact that he was most excellent Theophilus, uh, most theologians and people who understand the writing of the day believe that he was addressing someone of importance. That that word excellent means he was someone of high rank, someone of great importance in the, in, in, in the world that he lived in in that day. Now, that's where assumption, I mean, that's pretty obvious, but again, no one can identify who Theophilus was. I just read a, a good, uh, you know what, you know what a, what it is when you make a, it's conjecture, but if you do some study, it's a hypothesis, right? I'm going to make a hypothesis, an educated guess, but it's still a guess. But I read one of the early historians and, and writers uh, made a hypothesis and an educated guess that oh, uh, the most excellent Theophilus was actually King Agrippa II. And if you remember, what did King Agrippa II say when Paul was preaching there in Acts? He said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. So now we can't say that. Don't go out and say, Pastor Sam said that Theophilus was King Agrippa. It's just conjecture. It's just an educated guess. But I really like that one because it makes me think Luke, he was, he was going in for the, for, you know, the, for the second shot at King Agrippa by writing these most detailed accounts. And if you put, in fact, if you put King Agrippa in there and you go back to Luke chapter one and just read it in that light, it's pretty cool. He says that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. So it's a cool conjecture, but it's nothing more than a conjecture and a potential educated guess. And uh, so just a little insight. Luke and Acts are chronologically correct and historically accurate. Some of the things in some of the other gospels are not as chronologically in order uh, as Luke is. So he was very careful, just as he said in Luke chapter 1 and even Acts chapter 1, that I'm going to give you a very careful and accurate account and so he was the faithful historian of his story, okay? You got it so far, say I got it. Now here's some more insight. He was born again through the ministry of the early church. He wasn't born again through the ministry of Jesus. He, he never met Jesus personally, uh, but uh, he was born again. Most people believe uh, that he was from Antioch. Everyone say Antioch. And if you go into the Luke, into the, into the book of Acts, when you get into Acts chapter 11, uh, it's where, where the, uh, I think it was Barnabas 
and some of the, the apostles came to Antioch and they preached and they ministered. And it says a lot of the Hellenists were born again. There was a revival in Antioch. And that's where it says they were first called Christians in, where were we? Antioch. Come on. They were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, uh, so most people believe he was in, from Antioch and there's a good reason to believe that. Uh, because, uh, just because I don't have time to put it all together. And that's where we, we pretty much feel, I mean, you don't know, but, uh, if he was from Antioch, this is a good place for him to have been born again and begin to follow Christ. And he was more than likely a Gentile. In fact, his Lucas, his name is not a Jewish name. It's a, it's a Greek name. And so pretty much he, he's not a Jew. In fact, that makes him, according to my understanding, the only author of a book in the Bible who was not a Jew or not a, who was, who was a Gentile. So that again makes him very unique and special in, in, as we looked at these heroes of the faith. So he was a Gentile. There's a lot of reasons to believe that. And I don't have time to go through them all. Uh, and here's an interesting insight about this guy who may, who wrote, uh, one third of the New Testament, uh, Luke and Acts. He's only mentioned three times in scripture. And they're all through Paul. Because as we'll see, he was a very close friend to Paul the apostle. And if you put, if you put him in Antioch and if you read through, when you read through Acts and you look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to read through Acts this week. Tell somebody, just say it out loud. I'm going to read through Acts this week. Uh, and when you read through Acts and you get to Antioch and Acts 11, and then you'll see Paul coming. They said they, they went and got Paul. Uh, and so th- that's probably where he, he met Paul the apostle and they became close friends and he, be, he came, he became a very good friend. And so here's the three places where he's mentioned in scripture and there is, and it ain't much. But it's all by Paul. Colossians 4.14, okay, says this. It says, and, and, and Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. And then you go to, uh, oh, 2 Timothy 4.11, when Paul's at his latter hour of his life, he said, only Luke is with me. And then if you go to Philemon, it's basically the same in verse 24. In Philemon, he says, and Luke greets you. So all we hear, the only three places we hear him mentioned in scripture is when Paul says, Hey, I want to tell you that Luke says, Hey, Luke says, Hey, everybody say, Luke says, Hey, it's a kind of Gomer Powell mindset. Hey. And so he's kind of mysterious. And as I said, in Colossians four fourteen, he was a physician. I don't have time to talk to you about that, but there are different philosophies of, of medicine in that day. Some were, were pretty weird and whacked out and then came along, uh, uh, is it Hippocrat, uh, Hippo, the Hippocratic Oath? Is that Hippocrates? Am I getting right? Am I right? Okay. And he, and he brought about the Hippocratic Oath, which doctor, uh, doctor, do, they, do you still have to swear by the Hippocratic Oath? Basically, it's the patient is the most important thing here, right? But I can't quote the, can you quote the Hippocratic Oath? Shame on Jack. Y'all just shame on you. But <laughs> do you do no harm to the patient? Do, that's it. And so, uh, and so we, we believe that very possibly because there were different philosophies of medicine back then that he undoubtedly had leaned towards the Hippocratic do no harm to the patient because Paul called him the beloved physician. And how many of you know Paul had his share of physical needs? And so he was a physician. Uh, and he said, Luke, the beloved physician greets you. And as I said earlier, he was one of Paul's closest friends. And I would encourage you, hey, you could Google this. I, I didn't, hey, thank God for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Google. I'm telling you, that was funny. That's not, I don't, I mean, Google help you if you, if you tap in the right things. And so you can learn a lot. You have to kind of chew up the meat and spit out the bones, but you can learn a, a lot about the, 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 the contextual things and all that and put it all together. And, and, uh, and so we, when he, when he writes the book of Acts, he never mentions himself, though he was with him rather often in his missionary journeys. And here are the, what they call the we passages. 
Here they are in Acts 16.10. Do you have time just to go through this? Because I'm about to get to some life lessons, but I want you to get the context. Acts 16.10, it's the Macedonian call. You remember that? Where they were uh, 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 endeavoring to go, uh, it, to, to, they came to Troas in verse 8. And, and in a vision appeared to Paul in verse 9 in the night. And a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, <clears throat> saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. It says verse 10. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately, here's the we. We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us, not him, us to preach the gospel to them. So there's the first we passage where after all of this historical account uh, of the of the life of, of, of the first century church, now Luke finally plugs himself into this, but he just says we. That's the first we passage. Now go to Acts 20. I'm just giving you a foundation. Acts 20. They're, they're, oh, look in verse 5. It says this. Uh, These men... Going ahead, waited for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of the unleavened bread. There it is. Who sailed? We sailed from Philippi and the days of the unleavened bread in five days joined them at Troas where who? We stayed. So there's Luke. He's with Paul. He's journeying with Paul. And now here's the last one, which kind of just... It interests me. I don't know why it does. But in Acts 27, you know the story where Paul is on his way to Rome. They're voyaged to Rome. They're in the ship. And what happens? They are shipwrecked, correct? And guess who's with Paul in the shipwreck? Look in verse 1. And when it was decided that who? We should sail to Italy. They Italy. Everybody say Italy. When we decided that we should sail to Italy, uh, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to, uh, uh, to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan uh, regiment. So entering a ship of Andromedus, here it is, we put to sail, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia and on and on. And then we landed and then also we were shipwrecked. So we, Luke, the beloved physician, was with Paul and then stayed with Paul through his imprisonments. And so uh, he was his close friend. In fact, when you get to 2 Timothy 4, verse 14 through 18, you'll find he was one of the only friends because he says, Demas has forsaken me and only, somebody say his name, Luke is with me. So there's this guy, Luke the physician, faithful historian of his story. And if I stopped right now and we went home or went to Mazio. We could take away from that one just little, I just introduced you to this guy. That just from his life and his example, could we not have a little Luke influence in our life and be faithful historians of his story and faithfully not only know it, but share it with those we know. How many of you have some people in your life that need to know the story? And so Luke realized in life, and, and we all know that the writing of Scripture was given uh, by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says uh, is written by the hands of men, but inspired all Scripture. Come on, everybody say all Scripture. Everybody Pentecostal with me. Get your hand up say all Scripture. All Scripture, Paul said, is given by inspiration from God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for training, for correction and righteousness that the man or woman of God I threw in there might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we know that Luke was inspired by God to pen the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Now, just think where we would be today if there were no Acts, book of Acts. Man... I don't know what church would look like. In fact, we wouldn't have a model to follow. 
we would have heard Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, but we would have had no, what does that church look like? We don't, we don't understand. So, so what a great hero of the faith. And so if nothing else we could take away that, Hey, uh, Luke was what a great inspiration and God use us like you use Luke to, to accurately uh, share and record and, and, and tell the story. There's an old hymn that says, tell the story of Jesus. Amen. So there we go. There's Luke. Everybody go, thank you, Jesus. And so this morning, I'm going to give you some simple thoughts about the ministry of Luke, the physician, because he was in ministry. He was a physician, but I want to tell you, and as we'll learn here in the, in, at the end of this, uh, his ministry was not in spite of his responsibility as a physician, but his ministry flowed through his responsibility as a physician. So we'll talk about that in a moment. But life lessons from the ministry of Luke the physician, I want to give you some. Number one, he ministered accurately. As I read to you just a few moments ago, he had perfect understanding. That doesn't mean perfection. It means he had accurate understanding. Listen, I want to tell you something about the gospel. I want to tell you something about the message of Jesus. You can't water it down and you can't get, you can't melt it down and, 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 and pollute it and pervert it. You got to keep it accurate. You got to get it to the place where, just like I read to you, hey, there's salvation, Acts 4.12. This is where he gets to. There's salvation in any other. You can't be born again by being a good person. <coughs> Are you with me? You got to stay true to the gospel in your life. And that's what Luke did. He ministered accurately. Now, here's the interesting thing that I put myself. Everybody say, how did he know? Everybody say, how did he know? If he wasn't born again until Acts 11, how did he know what happened in Acts 1 through 11? How did he know? He talked to people. And undoubtedly, he sat down with Peter and said, you got to tell me about this Pentecost stuff. Now, go slow because my computer's busted. And all I have is this piece of animal skin and this little pen here. I don't get, I mean, you got to understand, put yourself there. What a detail. You got to write a detailed account on whatever they wrote, papyrus or whatever it was. Some of you guys smarter than me. I mean, to write it down accurately. He interviewed people who were there. You read Acts 1, Luke 1. He's talking about those who had gone before. He talked to these people. He interviewed these people. And here's the coolest one. How did he know such detailed account of the, of the conception of John the Baptist and Mary, the mother of Jesus and the birth of Jesus? You know what Luke did? Mother Mary, we need to talk because you got to tell me how this all came about. I just got born again and something in me says, I got to know how this all fits together. Can you see that? That's what he did. He put together the most historically accurate account of the story of Jesus. He talked to Mary. He talked to, to Peter and, and then, and you know, Paul, Paul kind of came along after all of that as well. And so that's when he and, he and Paul starts interacting together. But he talked to these guys and he wrote it down accurately, correctly. Now, let me give you, remember what Paul said, Paul said in second, uh, oh, second Timothy chapter two, verse 15. He said, he said, study, this is what Paul wrote to Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, handling what? Accurately the word of truth. Now that's Paul to Timothy, but you know where Paul wrote that? He was in prison. And you know where Luke was every day coming to hang out with him and be with him and serve him and to help him. You think he didn't hear that already? You know, and in fact, most historians, when did Luke write these, uh, the gospel of Luke while he was, while Paul was in prison and he was, he was just gathered information there with in Rome and he was writing it down and he was learning and you mighty well true. He was not only interviewing, you know, Peter and, and Mary and the gang, Peter, Paul and Mary, he could do them all. Yeah. Peter, Paul. Uh, and uh, but he's he's just getting all this information, 
And you, you, you know that he heard this, whether or not, I'm just, I'm just hypothesizing. Paul's saying, okay, look, I'm about to write Timothy a letter. You know, he's my son in the faith. What do you think about this? Would you like to prove it? Now, this is just me. I'm just, but what I'm saying is the influence of Paul in his life undoubtedly lent itself to him being very accurate and making sure that he had this thing right. Amen. So he ministered accurately. I think that's important for us to know. In our life, don't shoot from the hip. Know the gospel. Know the story. Get it down in your heart so you can tell it to your friends and your friends' friends. Don't be weak in your understanding of what it takes to be born again. How many of you know you can't be good enough to be born again? You're not going to go to heaven unless you give your life to Christ and let him be the Lord and the leader of your life and confess him as the Lord and confess your sins and, and submit yourself to the Lordship and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead on the third day. Somebody say amen. So he ministered accurately. Number two, he ministered humbly. He was a humble minister of the gospel. Now, you say, how do you know he's a humble minister? He never talked about himself, not one time. Did he ever say anything about himself? So he's a humble minister. And I don't want to speak evil of the physician, but because I, Jen is a very humble person. But if you ever met any doctors think they, they know it all? Let me make it bigger. How many, how many got some really educated people who went to their head in more ways than one? <laughs> that, hey, education's great, but... Uh, it, it can go to your head, right? And so when you, when, in fact, when I know I'm right, I'll let everybody know about it, right? It didn't go to his head. So much so, that what did they say about Peter uh, in the book of Acts? What, in fact, Luke wrote it down. It says they looked at him and realized they're unlearned men. So here he knew Peter was just an old fisherman. He was an unlearned man. And who was Luke? He was a very learned man. But it didn't keep Luke from learning from the unlearned man. And say, tell me about it, Peter. Because I wasn't there. He never mentioned himself. He ministered humbly. Now, uh, what got Peter in trouble in his early years? He got prideful, didn't he? I'll never forsake you. After all, you said, on this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm the man. I'll never deny you, Lord. Wrong. What happened? He went out and he did what? He wept. He denied him. Then he wept bitterly. And so what do we find Peter writing in his latter years in First and Second Peter, especially First Peter Hey, you younger guys, because he used to be one, you better submit yourself to your elders. You better humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You better walk humbly before God. Peter learned that in his latter years. And I just wonder where this physician may have gotten that humble attitude that enveloped his understanding of who he was in a way that even though he was a very learned man, he stayed a very humble man. And he ministered humbly. And so I just, I conjecture, he learned that from potentially Peter who learned that. How many of you know when you learn something, you need to tell somebody about it? Amen. I, 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 I used to be this way, but I want to tell you, you better stay humble before God and man. And number three, very simply, when you look at Luke, he ministered loyally. He was very loyal. He was so loyal that in Paul's latter hour, only Luke was with him. Demas the Bible says, had forsaken him. 
And when you read 2 Timothy chapter 4, you'll find that Paul the apostle was a wounded warrior. How many of you know all of us at some level in the fray will be wounded warriors? And somebody said once that the church is the only people that kill their wounded. He's wounded. Put him out of his misery. Here's Paul, wounded warrior. And who's there with him? His faithful friend, the physician. And if you want to dig a little deeper, this is not in my notes, you want to dig a little deeper into the life of Luke, who was a physician, the beloved physician, you, you can put a pretty good uh, case together that Luke not only ministered to the body, but he ministered to the soul and he ministered to the spirit of humanity. He was a, he, is that what you call holistic approach, body, soul, and spirit? He ministered to every aspect of, of, of a person. And so that was his, he was a faithful friend. And what does it say in Proverbs 18 about friends. It says, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I want to tell you in the culture we live in today, that, that's, that's, that's a characteristic that is, that is hard to come by, the loyalty of ministry and ministry. And in fact, historians pretty much agree that when Paul the apostle was martyred, killed for his witness for Christ, that Luke stood there with him while he breathed his last breath. What a friend. What a loyal friend. He may have got that from Peter's regrets. What did Peter do? He was not loyal during the death of his Lord. He ministered loyally. And number four, he ministered, everyone say prayerfully, prayerfully. This is an interesting thing. I love putting myself into people's shoes and into the, into the environment. If you go to Colossians, go to, you can go to Colossians. It's okay. You go to Colossians, uh, uh, because Paul is writing to the Colossians while he is in prison and Luke is with him while he's there uh, and while he wrote the book uh, of Colossians. And here's what it says uh, about, uh, you go to Colossians 4, what does it say? Luke, verse 14, the beloved physician and Demas greet you. So we know that Luke was with him when he was writing to the, <clears throat> to the Colossian church. Now, look what he says to this Colossian church church because we're talking about he ministered prayerfully. Look what it says in, pardon me, verse three. It says, we give thanks to God and and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now, let me put us, everybody hit the pause button. Have you ever said this as just a way of sounding spiritual? When people share their days, well, I'm praying for you. And you go away and you don't even breathe the prayer. Come on, let's be honest. Come on, let's be honest. Pastor, gonna be honest. If you've ever said that and then you, and then if you were honest, you just said it as a way of trying to sound like you cared, but you didn't really care and you didn't really pray. Am I, am I the only one that's going to lift up his hand and say, I've done that. I've been there and done. Beverly, you've never done that? Come on, Beverly, raise your hand. You, she might be getting a little arrogant here. I'm praying for you. In fact, I saw this funny, I, you, I don't know if I reposted it or not, but my uncle who posts some things that I, I cannot show you, <clears throat> my uncle posted this. He lives over in the Houston area, this big empty tr- truck at, right after the hurricane, and it was empty in the doors, and, it, and then the little meme said, the first truckload of prayers and thoughts have arrived in South Texas. Because <laughs> everybody say, our th- thoughts and prayers are with you. What he was saying, put, if you care, put something in the truck, right? You know what I'm saying. But here we find Luke with Paul, who is kind of in house arrest. He had latitude, but he was on, under house arrest, and he had great latitude. He wasn't behind bars and, you know, and, and the, at this moment in time. And he, he pinned the, the letter to the Colossian church, and he says, we're praying for you always. You see, he didn't say, I give thanks to God and Father. 
He's talking from, from a cooperative effort of people who had rallied with him even while he was in prayer and Luke was there. And he said, we, he could say me and Luke and, and Demas and these guys that are with me, we're all been praying for you. Are you with me? Say amen. And then look what he says in, in verse nine. For this reason, we also, there's the plurality, since the day who heard it, we heard it. Do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Get this. This is what I put myself. Here's Luke, the physician, the faithful historian. He was a minister of the gospel. He just didn't go around and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, uh, minister to Paul's physical needs. He was a co-laborer in the thing. He said, we're going to Macedonia and we're going to preach the gospel. This Luke was a preacher. He was a testifier, but he was also a physician and a faithful friend, but he was a praying preacher. And they had daily prayer meetings, praying for the church. See, he wasn't just a his historian. He was an adherent to his story and he prayed. How many of you know you can preach all you want, but if you're not praying, hey, one politician, hey, what what did, he said, you're an empty barrel. If y'all been watching the news, I bet if you Googled empty barrel, some stories would come up and help you get in the loop. Okay. I won't go there. In fact, my one of uh, my mentors from afar tells preachers this, something along these lines. If you hadn't spent more time in prayer than in the pulpit, something's wrong in your life. And he said something like this, don't ever let your time in the pulpit outweigh your time in the prayer closet. And so what a faithful friend and prayer warrior. I just put myself, you got to get the humanity of all this. They're praying together every day and Paul's getting weaker. His time is coming. And there's Luke. Let me pray for you, Paul. You've prayed for me. We've prayed together. We need, we, hey, we need people like that in our lives. And let me tell you something. If you want somebody like that in your life, be like, be somebody like that in other people's lives. Are you with me? He ministered prayerfully. And then finally, he ministered carefully. Yes, I'm going to little, use a little ministerial license here. Everybody say carefully. One of my dad's favorite words when we were doing anything, careful. And it wouldn't be careful, careful. You know, pick, careful, careful. Every once in a while when he got really verbose and eloquent, he'd say, be careful, but mostly it's just careful. Careful. That's not what I'm talking about. He ministered full of care. How do you know that, preacher? I'm kind of reading between the lines a little bit. I think I can because how many of you think that Paul would have called him a beloved physician if he didn't minister full of care for his patient? He ministered. Is this word correct? Hippocratically? Not hip, not like hypocrisy, but hypoc- the Hippocratic oath. He ministered under the banner of what you say? The patient comes first or something. Do no harm to the patient. How many of you, if you had a physician that didn't care about your well-being, you wouldn't call him a beloved physician? In fact, some of you probably called some of your doctors things that we can't repeat right here in this room. But Paul said, he's my beloved physician. And listen carefully. Far as I know, in fact, by the way, I'm not a I'm not a doctor of the body. Jan is the only one I know here, but I am a doctor of the soul. In fact, my friends in 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 India recognize me as a doctor, and y'all didn't even know that. Did you know I'm Doctor Sam Walker? My wife won't call me doctor yet. I'm joking. 
Dr. Honey. But I am a doctor of the soul. And listen, all of us are doctors on some level. We have a responsibility to minister to the hurts and the pains and minister full of care. Listen, people, people all around us are hurting. How many of you know somebody hurting? Yeah, but I'm hurting too. You know one of the best ways to get healed is help heal somebody else. Amen? You love somebody and help them and minister care. You think Luke didn't care for his friends, for his friend Paul? In fact, put yourself in this. We have no record of this. Here's Paul. They, they're shipwrecked. I just put my, they're shipwrecked, okay? You get it? I mean, this is life or death. They're, they're, and it's cold. And this I'll call Malta. You know, I just see Luke and Paul. Lord have mercy. Somebody light a fire in here. It is freezing. And they light a fire and the Maltans or the Maltinians were there. And Paul, he gathers up by the fire and a, 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 a snake comes out, a two-stepper comes out and latches on to him. And all the people there just waited for him to die, but he shook it off in the fire. And we don't have any record, but I, I just put myself, Luke was there. He's going, OMG. Let me look at that. I just thought that up because he was there. Do you think he was sitting over there going, hallelujah, Paul's been bitten by a snake. Let us pray for him now that he die not. Y'all say, Pastor Sam, your imagination is running wild today. Well, with that in mind, I want to give you, and this was hard, but I'm going to melt it down to a life lesson we can take away from the life of Luke. Our occupation should always be considered a complement to ministry and service and not a competition or conflict with ministry and service. I won't stop right there. How many of you you know people, they separate, that put themselves in these little segregated worlds? This This is my church world. Here's my work world. Here's my fun world. Here's the world I ain't letting nobody in because that'd be embarrassing. And here's my family world. And we got ourselves all compartmentalized and we find ourselves in competition with ourselves in different areas. And Listen, here's what I learned from Luke, just from my understanding of him being a physician, a very educated, very well-respected, very, uh, uh, you know, uh, honored man. I mean, you, you're, edu- you're educated. So here's what I came up with in my heart. Our occupation should always be considered a compliment to ministry. And by the way, that's not supposed to be an I right there in the compliment. There's two kinds of ways of reading. reading. I, I checked that out for all you people who are my spell checkers, a compliment to ministry and service and not a competition or or conflict with ministry and service. God's desires to minister through what we do to those we serve within what we do. So whatever you are, wherever you go and whatever you do, whether you're a butcher or baker or candlestick maker, God wants to minister through what you do, and it should never be a conflict. Your ministry and service ought to flow through what you do to those you serve in what you do. It's called marketplace ministry in today's world. It's not too different. This is not my job, and this is my church. How many of you know your job is where you bring the ministry of the church. And just like Luke, the physician, 
All of us have a responsibility to minister through what we do. Are you with me? That's what I want you to catch today. So when you get up in the morning, somebody say, in the morning, when the morning comes, you got to embrace this reality. I'm a minister and a messenger of His story. And I got to minister it to the people that I come in contact with in the morning. Amen. That's all I got to say today. I'm through talking now. <laughs> Who was it said that? Huh? Oh, yeah. He, oh, Minnie Pearl. I'm through singing now. Some of you don't know who, how many of you don't know who Minnie Pearl is? Yeah, how many of you don't, bless his heart. Google it, Google, Google help you, help you. He, she was on Hee Haw. <laughs> All right, let's stand. Man, I lost the anointing right there. Minnie Pearl. <laughs> let's stand up together. Look around at five people and, and shake them and think of them as Luke the physician in your life. Shake their hand, not shake them. Shake their hand. Greet them. Greet them. Luke the physician. Luke the physician. We got. Don't leave. Don't leave. That wasn't dismissal. I'm going to pray for you. But, but we have people in our life. It's 12.06. I talked too long. So let's pray now. Let's ask the Lord to help us now. Father, as we greet one another as. Paul said, Luke, the physician greets you. Lord, we greet one another and help our ministry and the message you've given us accurately flow through us to those who we meet, not only through this day, but every day. Thank you for Luke, Lord, who ministered humbly, carefully, accurately, in so many ways to bring the gospel story to not only his day, but our day. We embrace the truth of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that there's salvation in no other name under heaven other than the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord that you used Luke and inspired him to study, to prepare, to log down and accurately share with the world the story of Jesus and his church. Let us follow in his footsteps. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. What's your suggested reading for the week? Luke and Acts, go for it. Love you. God bless you. Love somebody. And we'll see you next Sunday. Amen.